Sports Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. This is Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. My name is Herb White. I'm editor-in-chief at the Charlotte Post. Before Tiger Woods, before Harold Varner, there was Charlie Sifford. That's a name some of you may not be that familiar with. But Charlie Sifford is to golf what Jackie Robinson was to baseball. Iconic, inspirational, had to put up with a lot of stuff to break the color barrier. Charlie Sifford would have turned 100 years old this year. Charlotte is honoring him uh, through golf. Natural fit. Uh, On August 29, the Charlie Sifford Centennial Cup tees off at Quail Hollow Club. And before that, I had a chance to speak to Mr. Sifford's son, uh, Charles Sifford Jr., about his father's legacy, the initial cup that bears his dad's name, and his legacy, not only in golf, but sports in general. And that conversation, which took place by phone, starts right now. So the first question is, uh, with with this being the anniversary of your dad's birthday, and for this showcase to take place in in his uh, in his hometown, the place where his formative years took place, uh, what does that mean to you and your family? Um, it, it means um, quite a bit to us. You know, um, Dad left Charlotte at an early age, and it was a while before he went back. Um, but it's you know it's a recognition of what he had was able to accomplish, you know, during his career, you know, and show some, you know, the respect that the, the golfing community is um, shown, you know, giving him now, you know, in support of his 100th birthday, you know, they, they found it, you know, giving him the recognition that he, you know, he felt he deserved and the family felt that he deserved, you know, for going through this, you know, some of the hardships he had to um, deal with and trying to play this crazy game of golf. Yeah, and I guess, you know, to that end, there's a a whole lot of, uh, you know, there's many stories that are out there in terms of what he faced and and how, you know, he loved golf, but golf didn't necessarily love him back until later in life. Right, right, yeah. Nothing necessarily, you know, just certain pockets of people that, you know, just didn't want uh, nine whites on the golf course, you know, and they, and they the ones that had the power at the time, and they, you know, they they pretty much controlled who played and who didn't play. Yeah, and you know, and I guess that's almost like a, a theme throughout American history in the 20th century, where you have right. these trailblazing people of color, uh, specifically black folks, where it's either Jackie Robinson or your dad, or, you know, all manner of black folks who whose story took on added significance 
as time went on and as they got older or passed away. Uh, is, is that something that you find is happening now, that that your dad is bigger now than he was during his playing days or even later in life? Um, yes, because this, you know, the like you said, the, 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 there's a younger generation coming along, you know, and they have different ideas on how things should be run, you know, and they have different outlook on things, you know, and they, and they, you know, they, some of them did they study, studying and, and realize that what he had to go through, you know, felt that he should deservingly, you know, get some recognition for it. Because um, he went through things that, you know, it's hard to imagine some of the things that he had to go through. And, uh, you know, and I was just to chase a little white ball around a golf course and, and try to make a living at something that he really loved to do. But I think it's just a change in mindset. You know, the younger generation coming in, they have, they just think differently than the, the old school. And, you know, and it's making a change, you know. And they feel that it's, you know, not only my father, but there's other blacks that, they contribute to the game that still a lot of people don't know about. And, you know, somewhere down the line, hopefully, they're, they're getting some recognition as well. Now, when you talk about other black golfers who were probably even along there in your dad's era, I mean, he was a dominant golfer on the black golfing tour. Uh, that yeah, the UGA. Yeah, the UGA. Yeah. And so uh, did he talk much about playing with those guys as well? And how did that match up against the the golfers that he later competed against on the PGA Tour? Um, a lot of the blacks, you know, the, the prim- at the time my father was coming along, uh, probably the best, the most dominant player at the time that was black was a golfer called Teddy Rhodes, who was um, considered the best black golfer in the country at the time. And um, he he had a great game uh, and great personality, but he was wasn't a forceful person. So that you know, if they told him that he couldn't play golf, he he wouldn't play, which was different from dad. Dad, dad decided he was going to ask why he couldn't play, but and um, he wanted an explanation why they wouldn't let him play. Teddy would just say okay and then go on to the next spot. But Teddy was equally as talented as any white golfer at the time. He just didn't have the opportunity to play. There were, you know, players like Bill Spiller, Howell Wheeler, um, that, that were playing along the same time my dad was playing. But they just didn't have the opportunity to um present these skills to, you know, to the point where they can go to the next level. Um, so, you know, they lost interest in the game and, you know, and they just didn't want to fight to keep on playing. So they just settled in their own little group where they were playing at. And that's, and that's what they did. Um, the talent level is probably just as great as, you know, as the white players, but and, but they just, you know, the white players were playing, you know, had the opportunity to, to play more, um, bet, better conditions, better golf courses than the blacks had. So they had the opportunity to improve their game with the blacks. Kind of like 
they peaked out at a certain level and were unable to um, improve anymore because they didn't have opportunity to um, practice the golf lessons, you know, stuff like that to play play better golf courses to improve their game. But they were just as talented as a lot of the, the pros on the on the white tour at the time. Now, you you talked about uh, your dad leaving Charlotte uh, at a at a young age, right. and not coming back for quite some time. Uh, what types of stories, you know, did he share with you about Charlotte? Was it, uh, you know, were they related to the Jim Crow era, or more idyllic about this is how things were when I was coming up? Uh, he really, you know, when I was young, he really didn't talk too much to me about um, Charlotte, you know. Um, you know, other than the fact that I knew he was born there, but he never really, you know, I never knew where, what area of the town he lived in or anything like that. Because we moved, eventually, we moved from Philadelphia to California. And um, we just adopted California as our hometown. And that was, that was it. You know, that's where we considered home. And, um, I grew up there, but when I was younger, he he didn't really have a lot to say about Charlotte, other than his, you know, his mom and dad was there, and he had brothers and sister sisters that were still living there. But, um, so I didn't know much about Charlotte until I was in my early twenties, when I started going down there to, you know, I met some of my cousins. Yeah. So it, it was like it was, you know, I just. He just never really, I don't know, I never asked him why he never talked about it, but he just never did. And so I understand that you'll be here for the uh, for the Centennial Cup, correct? Yes, I'm due to come in um, Friday, this coming Friday, tomorrow. I'm supposed to be there, and I'll be at, his, at the golf course Revolution Park on Saturday. They, You know, they're having a clinic over there, and I get a chance to meet some of the the first tee kids and, you know, people from the community, you know, that I haven't met, had a chance to meet previously. But so I, I think I'll be in town for about four or five days. And so when you, and so obviously you'll be going over to the, uh, to the showcase itself over at Quail Hollow. Uh, have you ever been to that course? And if you have, what do you think of it? Yes, I've been there. I was there, um, I don't know. Probably just pre-pandemic. When it, I can't remember what year it was when they had the, the U.S. Open there. Oh, 2017. Uh, 2017. Okay. Yeah, I was there. Um, I'm lucky enough to make contact with somebody in the PJ office, and they arranged to get me some tickets for the for the golf tournament. You know, because they knew I was from my father was from Charlotte, and my cousins and I had opportunity to walk around the golf course. It's a uh, fantastic place um i'm sure there's been some improved different upgrades from you know 2017 i'm looking forward to see those but it's it's a heck of a golf course it's a challenging golf course and hopefully we see some good golf and so uh, in terms of uh in terms of your golf but are you an active player? Have you played long term, or are you, you know, kind of like just like the rest of us <laughs> in terms of uh, skill level and uh, enjoyment? 
Um, I, 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 have a, I carry a single-digit um, handicap. Um, my golf season up here in Cleveland is, you know, is only about six months. So, you know, I, my game could be better if, if I was living in a warmer climate where I can play year-round. But, you know, I enjoy the game. I played as much as I can during the summer. I played three, four days a week, practice, and, um, you know, playing some amateur tournaments that, you know, that are close enough for me to drive to from, you know, from the Cleveland area. So I, you know, I love, I like the game, but I, you know, I just didn't love the game the way my father did. You had to have a special love for the game to put the time and energy into it the way he did. And, and I just didn't, I didn't have that. So, you know, I, I just enjoy playing with the fellas and playing in a tournament occasionally, you know. And, but I, 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 you know, like I said, I, I carry a single digit and probably could be a lot better if I had the opportunity to play year-round. And, and But on the other hand, you know, you're talking about a game like golf. It's a lifetime sport. Right. Uh, so you can, yeah, right. Uh, is that part of the appeal in terms of, you know, from the day you pick up the clubs until the day that you no longer can, you know, golf is something that can get you outside, get you right. exercise, and you have some fun. That's true. Cause I'm like I'll, I'll be seventy-five, and this coming December is. I don't think there's too many sports I could be playing at the age of seventy-five and and not worry about injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's a, it's a, it's a long you. You got your health. You can play the. You can play this game forever. You know you. You don't see too many people running up and down a basketball court in their sixties and seventies. Playing, you know, they might be doing one on one, just having some fun. But being competitive at that age is a different story. Playing, you know, playing different sports. Yeah, and what is the uh, the best round you've ever shot? Um, I shot a sixty five. At a golf course here in Cleveland called, called Pine Hills, but that was many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I shot 65 and, and didn't have didn't birdie, didn't birdie any of the par fives. Okay, so, so uh, it's just one of those days. Uh, even when I hit a bad shot, it turned out right. I had I hold out one shot from the fairway. On the very next hole, I lift it out. So, you know, that, that doesn't happen too often. I was in, it happened to be in the zone that particular day, and, and it showed up on 14 holes, but the, the other four par five, that is, it wasn't there. But, you know, it was, just, it was a fun day. And um, I'm, I've been looking for another one to come along, but it hasn't shown up yet. <laughs> uh, so then is, is the goal – Maybe not a 65, but perhaps to shoot your age? No, no, no I, I still can shoot my age. I want to, shoot, I want to get, get back in the, at least get in the 60s at least one more time. Okay, okay. All right, well, and maybe you'll get in a round or two in Charlotte, and you can do that. I hope so. I don't, I don't be out there. I'm hoping to be out there and hit some balls, and maybe I can learn something from these young kids. Yeah. Maybe I can gain, figure out some kind of way to gain a couple of yardage. <laughs> as, as far as they hit it, you know, they they hit their, their two irons as far as I'm hitting my driving now. And is that something that you talk about young players? Are you encouraged or what have you seen in terms of 
of, of the generational shift in golf now, where it's no longer just the sport of the of the rich and the powerful. It's like anybody can pick up a club these days and be really good at it, and right. it shows yeah. up. Yeah, just man, you just, you just had, got to have had an opportunity and uh, to be able to play, you know, somewhere to practice to hone your skills down. And it's you know, it's, it's becoming a game that, like you said, anyone can play. It's not you know they got away from that stigmatism and just a strictly a rich man's game. You know now, you know you got access to driving ranges, golf clubs. You know, you can develop a good game, you know, and and being, a, you know, especially the younger kids, they have an opportunity to go to college, you know, get exposed to different golf courses, you know, and, you know, be able to play on country clubs. So back in the day, you know, you know, the, 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 you were playing on public golf courses that weren't maintained as well as the private golf courses are. You know, it's just a different atmosphere all the way around. So, you know, it's more exposure for the young generation. You know, and it's, uh, so they have an opportunity to um, get better and enjoy themselves, you know, playing the game. Would you like to see the Centennial Cup continue on, either as a tournament or a showcase or some other way to bridge that gap? opportunity to see someone that looks like them being recognized by the golfing industry, you know, and it gives them something to shoot forward to, you know, saying, you know, saying, you know, they can happen to them if they, you know, continue their career and have a, you know, have a good career. Who knows if they can have a tournament or and be recognized, as, you know, like they're doing my father right now. But it's something I definitely would, would like to see continue. And, you know, maybe move it around to, you know, different different cities, you know, and get, get exposure, you know, not only, the, you know, in other in other cities as well. Uh, which, I, you know, hopefully they, if they keep continue with it, I hope that's what they do, rather than just letting it stay in this one area, just move the tournament around. So, you know, so the recognition will grow. And all, all, hopefully in all 50 states. Yeah. Or maybe even, uh, like you had mentioned before, be that bridge. And if there was something attached to your dad's name that served as that bridge, then that would be something that would benefit golf, period, all the way around. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and I think it would, you know, pique the interest, you know, of the minorities in the game, you know, seeing that, you know, uh, the white establishment is, you know, recognize, you know, their historic uh, players, you know, of, of people of color. You know, this, you know, this dad's they recognize and dad, but they still shouldn't shouldn't um, overlook some of the other players as well. You know, that made a made a footprint in the game. But you know, it's a start. And I hope they continue to, you know, grow with it. One last question before I let you go. You know, looking looking at your father's legacy and what he means to the sport of golf. You know, what do you think he would he would think about today's golf 
ecosystem and the players and just the sport in general? Uh, I don't know. The sport in general, he's happy to see the growth, you know, of, of the tour. You know, they're, you know, the tour is it's diversified now. You know, you have Asians, you have uh, Hispanics playing on the tour. You know, you don't have as many African-Americans. Hopefully, you know, he would be probably be disappointed about that because there were more African-Americans playing when he was playing in his younger days than they are now. But uh, it's hard to explain why they haven't been able to, you know, to break through, you know, like the, uh, you know, what Asians they have, they own, you know, they train a facility over in Japan or whatever, they, that career and stuff like that, where they, they set up a training program for them. But, you know, and that's something that they, we don't have here. We don't have organized training facility for, you know, the teenagers and young young adults to improve their game. You know, the first tee is fine, but once you get past the first tee, where do you go from there? And, you know, there's no other, there's no in between the first tee and college, say, like, to help you develop your game to another level. And that's what we're missing as far as the, I think, in the African-American community. You got to have that, that bridge developed that can take take them to the next level but all in all i think uh you know the colleges are getting better at, you know helping the kids play they, they get more exposure but it's a matter of being in the right place at the right time to allow them to develop their skills so they can make that next step Okay. All right. Well, I do appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today, and it was good to meet you over the phone, and I hope to see you uh, once you get here in Charlotte. And uh, you know, thank you for, for everything, and thank you for the stories. It's really been an eye-opener. And there you have it, my conversation with Charles Sifford, Jr., the son of the legendary barrier-breaking first black man to play on the PGA Tour, and he was from Charlotte, <laughs> of all places. And the showcase on the 29th that bears his name will be played over at Quail Hollow Club. If you uh, happen to be out that way, you know, maybe you can you know, take part somehow. And it's all part of the President's Cup uh, goings-on that are going on over at Quail Hollow in September. But it's a uh, wonderful time for Charlotte Golf and great for the Sifford family to be recognized for the achievements of Charles Sifford Sr. And... Thanks for listening to Sports Charlotte. You can catch our podcasts on Queen City Podcast Network, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as our website, thecharlottepost.com, where you will also find reporting on everything else that we cover in Charlotte, uh, 
beyond sports. Of course, we do news, entertainment, life, health, the whole gamut. And we need your support to keep it going. So go to our website, thecharlottepost.com, become a subscriber, or donate. It all goes to the same cause, and we're so appreciative for any support that you give, and we support those who support us with the best reporting in Charlotte from a black perspective. So for everybody at the office, my name is Herb White. Thanks for listening. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.